This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have two of the guys on from Juniper Mountain Coffee. So I have Jared Worth and I have Charles Lemon, two of the founders. And um, man, these guys are great. They're young guys, blue collar, hardworking, uh, really stoked to meet these guys as they're supporting both Eastman's Elevated and Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. So, you know, they're part of the reason why I can bring you this content week after week and 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 put time and effort into it is because of the support of these guys. And I just really appreciate uh, a company like Juniper Mountain putting their dollars behind hunting and, and uh, behind my podcast. So uh, I know I really appreciate it, and I'm just stoked to meet these guys and uh, get them on and get to know them a little bit better. So made for a great podcast as Jared is a diehard Western hunter, and um, Charles is a diehard outdoorsman. He's down there in Florida, uh, but he's just got a great perspective on things. So yeah, man, we just had this super conversation. So we start off talking about Juniper Mountain Coffee and what separates them. Uh, their slogan is "Coffee Without Compromise," and they really live by those um, those words, where they just don't cut corners anywhere in their production, in their roast, in their sourcing the beans. And so, I thought it was important to to talk about their company a bit and what separates them. So, a bit of entrepreneurship in the beginning of the podcast, and then we get into Western hunting. Uh, like I say, Jared's a diehard western hunter and so he killed a six-point bull this year with his bow which we all know is no easy feat and then chased around a really big buck uh and and the buck got the better of him or outsmarted him this time around which they often do and so we just had this great discussion about that and just this great discussion about life like um uh, just these deeper elements of life and and how we live it, whether it's um, through our work ethic, you know, uh, social media or our phones, technology and trying to balance that and also like what this hunting means to us. So it made for an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. I know you guys will enjoy it, too, and we'll get right into it. Uh, just want to thank Juniper Mountain again. They're sponsoring today's show and sponsoring the podcast and um, you know I couldn't bring you guys this content each and every week without the support of companies like these guys uh, so I really appreciate their support uh, go check them out we've got a promo code where you can save 10% off your order if you put in the promo code Eastman's and um, save a little money on some great coffee I uh, also want to thank Black Ovis. So Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that has absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand, which is good quality stuff. Uh, they have a knowledgeable staff that are also hunters that can answer any of your questions there. And you can save 10%. So 10% off a hunting order um, is a huge saving. So just put in the promo code ELEVATED10 and you'll get that 10% off. And it also brings weight to the podcast too. Uh, makes them, uh, lets them know that the, the dollars they're spending with my podcast is getting through to the audience. So uh, it's a huge deal for me as well. So uh, go check those guys out. 
Check out Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app where they have 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. You can save a pile of money on overstock gear or uh, different sizes. And they also just have like great gear that comes up on there. So uh, I know a bunch of my buddies use this app and are able to save some money and are always showing up with um, new gear, whether it's uh, uh, Dylan was using a pair of their puffy pants um, that were black Ovis that really look like good quality stuff. Uh, Clint Casper that killed a bear with me this year, uh, he was using their gear and their clothing. Uh, just looks like good quality stuff. I love their game bags. Their game bags are some of the best in the business. So uh, check those out at Black Ovis. And man, um, yeah, with that, we're just cruising here at Eastman's. We're into hunting season. Uh, it's that fun time of year. Been getting a, a bunch of messages from you guys, which I really appreciate uh, sharing in your success and um, the thanks and the the posts on social media and things. It really helps out uh, with the podcast. So uh, appreciate the support, you guys. And um, man, we're just cruising. There's some new Beyond the Grids out. You can check those out. Just search Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube and you can find those. And check out the magazines, uh, which I've been writing a ton for here during hunting season. Just got done with one hunting mule deer during the rut with your bow. Uh, so, uh, I finished that article and going to be practicing what I preach here. Um, been hunting mule deer, had, uh, uh, a great buck that I harvested about a week ago. So we'll get on a solo podcast, let you guys know about that. And then, uh, my daughter killed one last week in an adventure hunt I shared with her. So pretty cool stuff, but let's, um, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. So it's with Jared Worth, Charles Lemon, the, the founders of Juniper Mountain Coffee, just great guys and a great conversation. So let's get into it. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Man, I'm so honored to have you guys as sponsors on the podcast and to be working with you guys in that capacity. Like, um, man, I'm loving the coffee too. Good. No, it was it was a lot of fun, man. When, when we developed this out and, and with the brand and what it represents and, and you know, our customer base and there was no better partner for us than Eastman's. You know, Eastman's embodies all the same things we do. You know, you and the rest of the Eastman's crew are we're all cut from the same cloth. And for us, that's really important as a brand, as a company, to be with people that have the exact same values. For us, this company goes way deeper than just a simple, hey, let's find the right guys and find the right audience. It's really connecting with people and working with people that don't just have the same interests and the same perspectives. Um, but really those values too, because that's extremely important to us as a company. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you guys put your dollars behind um, uh, the, the, the things that you believe in, you know, and, and it's really nice to meet you in person, Jared, like, uh, man, you're a young guy that, um, uh, loves to hunt and loves the outdoors. And I can see why Brandon talks so highly about you, you know, the, the well, way you good. carry yourself and yeah. And, and you're definitely yeah, a tech wizard by this morning. We figured that out. We're both on here on yeah, the video yeah. recording. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that I'm pretty decent at. And, and technology is not one of them. So so I was I was kind of born and raised in the middle of nowhere, and I, I haven't got with the time. So so I appreciate you bearing with me this morning while we think. Uh, no worries. If it's not you, no, it's but... me for sure. Yeah, no, we got it worked <laughs> out. We're on here anyways. And Charles, it's really nice to meet you too. So uh, what's your role at Juniper Mountain? So basically, I'm, I'm the head, uh, head roaster and also the uh, importer. So... Uh, when it comes to the, the coffee side of things, right, as far as the manufacturing, the uh, importation, the processing, roasting, 
Um, that's kind of in my role. So I kind of filled that role on the, on the backside as far as getting all the products um, um, developed out, right? So the profiling of the coffees, importation of the coffees, um, just again, overall, the, in general, just the equipment that we're using. Um, so that's kind of where you know, we fall in line. And as far as getting connected with uh, with Jared and, and, uh, and Philip, it was like, you know, it's kind of an organic thing. Like we were talking about it last night. Um, it's funny because, I mean, we're talking about complete opposite sides of the U.S. here, right? So I'm a Southeast boy from Florida, born and raised, then Oregon, right? So I don't know much about the West. Jared and them, again, don't know much about the East, but we come together and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, come from the same block. I mean, we're the same folks, yeah. right? And so it's kind of a, it's, it's funny, man. It's like it could have went, you know, two different directions here, but really it's like we're, we're the same. I mean, we get along just, I mean, fantastic. We are the same, we're the same folks. And that's yeah. kind of what Juniper Mountain kind of um, encompasses, man, is, is the fact that, uh, no matter where you're coming from, if you if you have the same, you know, uh, you know, we don't compromise to uh, that. That's our slogan, right? It's like the we, coffee without compromise. We don't really, um, you know, have those kinds of things that are quote unquote would be um, uh, similarities. But really, we're all the same folks, man. We're hardworking yeah. blue collar guys and come together and we're, we're you know running the company out together. So, yeah. yeah. And that's really why, you know, of course, a lot of our aesthetic and imagery on the brand side is is hunting focused, you know. But but make no mistake, our, our brand reaches much further than just just hunters alone. Why we like hunting so much is because, in my opinion, it's it's probably the best representation of, of life itself. What I mean by that is this. When you're out on a hunt and every hunter knows this story, there's a lot of decisions to make. And a lot of times you don't know what the best one is. So you sit there, you, you weigh your options and you make a calculated decision to go. I think this is my best choice, not knowing exactly what that outcome is going to be. Sometimes it works out great. Sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, all you have to do is pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, get back out there and keep that forward momentum, which is how life works. You know, and for us, that's really who we're selling to is people that have perseverance, determination, grit. And we like to we like to uh, kind of, you know, conceptualize that through hunting and through the, the hunting imagery we, we have. But but people with grit, blue collar workers, um, it's really all under under our veil here, you know. Man, hundred percent, yeah. Uh, man, it's it's like wild the similarities we can have growing up across the nation or across the world, and when you meet um, somebody, you know, with those qualities and and you line up, it's almost like your long lost brothers. Like you just get along, yeah. uh, uh, like like Charles said, like cut from the same cloth. Like you just get along. Uh, so well when when those align and, and and not to mention like uh you know the the company and your guys's direction and what you guys support with your dollars but but also the importance in the coffee itself like the the premium coffee is absolutely top of the heap like i haven't like you guys put so much effort in putting out a quality product in the best roasts out there like i notice like uh uh, both with the medium roast and the dark roast, like there's no bitter taste. Like the 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 beans themselves are such high level. Like talk about that a bit. Like uh, what you guys put into to getting the absolute best roast. No, for sure. So I mean, really, that all kind of when it comes to um, really the coffee itself, right? So for us, it all starts with with um, origin, right? So with me, I've, I've been I've been in the coffee industry for you know a decade now, about ten years, and and, um, you know, I've had a couple of retail shops. I've been roasting coffee for, again, on the just north of 10 years. And so when it comes to um, really cranking out the best quality product, it all starts at the at the farm level, which, again, is kind of something that's kind of unique, too, on that on that front. If we want to kind of 
dive into the farm thing. It's again, we're talking about you know families and generational farmers that are doing this for for, for years. You know, for again, hundred plus years over in other countries. Again, kind of going back to the origin of juniper mound itself. I mean, even just the connection that you know we have with those farmers, and even the connection that you know Jared and his family. I mean, he grown up ranching and farming, right? Yep. And again, you can that translates to the relationships there at the farm level. So when we start sourcing coffees, you know, we found, um, you know, a few different um, origins that we really liked and wanted to kind of really just, you know, build those and cultivate those relationships overseas. And Panama being one of the, one of the, uh, again, on my, on my, uh, in my opinion, kind of the hierarchy there, right? When you start talking specialty grade coffee, good elevation, good soils, uh, kind of the microclimates that are in that region of Panama. And so really, as far as cultivating those, those profiles and those, uh, those coffees, you know, for me, top of the list was like, we got to go source some coffee from, from Panama, which we did. And then from while doing that, you know, we're, we're, we're able to, uh, again, kind of go over there and meet these folks. And so we're kind of able to, you know, uh, handpick some of those farmers and, and really, again, go directly to the farmers. So that's one unique thing about us as well is that, you know, being, uh, being a coffee company, going and actually being able to source directly from those folks, right? And so, you know, we have, you know, we work with 100 plus farmers and, and we know them all on a personal level. So we've made, you know, dozens of trips overseas and, and again, meeting these folks and, and, and again, sharing, sharing dinner and coffee together with them as well. So again, it's, 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 that's, it's more than just the, the, the finished cup of coffee we're drinking in the morning for us. It's literally from the farm level to then bringing it here in house, right? Important in our, and then, and then the roasting profile. And so our whole goal is to, you know, again, every step of the process to really look and see how we can maximize and make that coffee, you know, the, the best it can be for the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all starts there at the, at the ground level, which is going to be where you're sourcing the coffee from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of no, that's it, man. It's um, you guys have put so much effort into it, and it comes out in that flavor profile, the coffee, and a, a couple things. So uh, you guys have ruined me on all other coffee roasts. Now that I know what really good coffee tastes like, <laughs> and uh, yeah. also you guys have uh, fueled me for this hunting season, and and definitely uh, sharing some of the the success of like the animals that I've harvested. As it's like my routine in the morning to get up and have a cup of coffee and that caffeine that fuels me in the morning so uh definitely have helped me harvest a good bowl and good buck and some other critters this year but yeah man i'm absolutely loving the coffee and then um yeah i just love that uh support sportsman and you have an elk on the logo which is about the coolest logo i could ever think of you know and 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 us hunters we're a small group of guys you know and so uh to have a coffee company use that as their main logo is amazing and 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 jared you're just getting back like you harvested a good six point this year you've been hunting hard as well and with your bow man that is no easy feat man congratulations no appreciate it so i do I do almost all archery hunting and I've done, it's mostly elk and mule deer. I've got, you know, I've got one white tail, um, but again, almost all out West. So I haven't got over this way too much, but yeah, I actually went to, it's, it's kind of funny. The, the name Juniper mountain actually is a reference to where we like to hunt in, in East Oregon. So East Oregon, when you think East Oregon, you don't think big bulls, right? It's kind of one of those States. It's like, nobody's really going with the exception of shooting Roosevelt's on the, on the West side, but we got Rocky mountain elk on the, on the, the east side, and you're not going to see those those 400 plus inch bulls that you're going to see in New Mexico and in Nevada, you know. But you're going to get some nice bulls. So the the Juniper Mountain, there, 
there is a place in Eastern Oregon called Juniper Mountain. That's not what we're referring to. What we're referring to is our own kind of private area uh, that we like to hunt. And and I always make a joke that it's a real original name. It was a mountain with a with a bunch of juniper on it. But you know, again, tying tying that brand into something and, and representing who we are through it was important to us because the, the foundation of our company is of course great coffee. But when it comes to the, the branding, the marketing, all that kind of stuff, we don't believe in trying to overcomplicate it. We just want to be able to look in the mirror and sell to ourselves essentially. And that's really what we're doing here. In the in the circle back real quick to to what Charles was saying, our slogan is coffee without compromise. And, and that, that expression is a little bit deeper than it seems. At the at the face value, it's pretty straightforward. We don't compromise our quality. So like he was saying, it starts at the origin with the producers, the farmers, the type of coffee they're growing and where they're growing it. And then that process, the harvesting process. But from there, you have to ensure that every single thing that happens beyond that is perfect. Otherwise, you'll degrade that coffee and you can wreck it. So the way you roast it, the way you store it, the way you grind it, the way you, you bag it, all of that is extremely important to retain that quality all the way through that entire process. So that's the first step of that slogan, Coffee Without Compromise, is doing everything optimally. But beyond that, it's the values that our company represents. We don't believe that anybody for any reason should ever compromise our values. And we certainly won't. You know, when we were starting this, we got a lot of recommendations from people that had a lot of experience building large companies and doing these things. And, and all of them said, well, don't do that, right? That's pretty niche. And that's going to be a turnoff to some people. And, and maybe you should make it a little bit more mild, a little bit more neutral. And we said, no, we're not going to do that because it's not who we are. You know, it's, it's, we we're kind of a hard line uh, as far as, as far as the way we do things in this country, man, for decades now, people have been outsourcing everything they can and nickel and diming to save money. And we get it. People want to make money. But for us, when we, when we built this facility out that we're sitting in right now, we bought everything American made that we could. And we went, I mean, the, the, the ends to which we went to ensure that was went deep. I mean, even our bags, our bags are sourced domestically, our coffee bags. Nobody does that because it's like four times more expensive than sourcing from overseas. But it's just not who we are and we're not going to do it. And and that really ties into, you know, as a company, we believe in, and this was extremely important to us from the very beginning to make sure that we could have a, a completely open door policy. So we're willing to show everybody from from how we source to how we transport import as, as being an importer to the storage, to the roasting process. We want people to see all of it because we're extremely proud of every single thing we've done. Man, you guys should be. Uh, what a great slogan and what uh, great words to live by as well. It's um, to spend more. Uh, to to get a product that you're proud of that you can stand behind. I mean, it's the same thing with me, you know, building houses. It's like I I tell those owners, like, you know, there's cheaper guys out there for sure. But but what you can guarantee about us is that you know all our carpenters that are working on your project are top notch craftsmen. You know, there's also there's a line where we won't cut corners. We won't build a cheap house. Like there's things that have to be done right in our area. Like we live in. Uh, like in Montana where we get cold winters, like your insulating package has to be sound. We also live with a lot of wind. So, you know, we're not going to cut corners as far as like our, um, uh, 
spray foam insulation to make sure that we get no wind penetrations in a house. You know, we're not going to cut corners and put on a a cheaper siding that isn't going to hold up or last the test of time. And I think like when you live by those standards and build a company by those standards, it's like, yeah, you could cut a corner here or there with your bags, uh, like you're spending four times more, but you're, you're buying bags that you can be proud of that are American made. And so you're like, uh, you're building a better company in the end. It just takes longer to get to the end goal, but you're building one where your product you're so proud of every step of the way from your building to your coffee to your roasters. And so uh, it costs more, but there's just something about like coffee without compromise, like building a company that way that I think is so important. And I think it it comes out like in the flavor of the coffee as well, like the in the roast of the coffee and the product that you're putting out, that it's not a money grab, that you're building uh, a company that can stand the test of time. I just think that's beautiful, Jared, the way you explain that um, and, and the way you built this company, man. It's um, yeah. it's awesome, and I can see why you guys are doing so well. Charles was kind of holding that on you, by the way. So he's – Charles, we're, we're co-founders, so – from the inception of the company, Charles was there as well. So he's not just just head roaster. He's he's owner and, and co-founder as well. Um, but no, man, I mean, that that's exactly it. Build something you can be proud of. And and these are the types of things that that are so frustrating dealing with with business, with with production manufacturing in, in the States today is so many companies will talk a big talk and they have a lot of nice things to say. But ultimately, the second they can do something and outsource it, send it overseas, do whatever they can to cut costs. They're going to do just that. Where for us, it was it was a non-starter. You know, there there was no again that 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 coffee without compromise runs deep to where there's there's nothing that we do here to cut corners at any point. You know, it's and, a way and of life like, too, it, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. You know, and, and and we always say it's like we're not we're not doing this to make a bunch of money. Hopefully, obviously, everybody wants to have a livable wage. You know. But but really, our entire goal to, to kind of speak to, to the kind words you had for the actual coffee itself is in, in, you know, our industry, when you look at our exact market, you can kind of compare us to potentially some other brands that exist that are similar to, to similar customer bases. But as far as the actual contents, if you remove all the branding, all that kind of stuff, and you're looking at just the coffee inside that bag, well, our competition, um, it's, it's a pretty uh, high end market. So, so our goal from day one is, hey, let's take that coffee that generally is going to be like the mid $20 bag price point that's completely unaccessible to your average day people and, and do everything we can. And it was, I mean, we had our work cut out for us, you know, but, but be able to bring that down without cutting corners to, to a price point that everybody can afford. You know, you're working a job, people's, people's money spending. The way that we see people spending money with us, we, we take it extremely seriously, you know, especially today when every dollar counts. So, you know, when we when somebody's willing to look to us and, and think about spending their money with us, we take it extremely seriously. So, so we do everything we can, again, to just optimize that coffee from start to finish. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it is a way of life. It's like uh, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like I always think I have like such a good connection with my audience because I am my audience. I'm such a fan of Western hunting, and the the yeah. same way with you guys. Like you guys yeah. are blue collared. 
uh, hardworking outdoor guys, like you are your customer base. Like you're, yeah. you're the people yeah. that you're trying to reach, you know, and that's what I love is the authenticity of talking to you guys. Like um, uh, I just think you can know uh your your client base and like us us outdoorsmen um us blue collars blue collar workers like we also like to spend our money in companies that we want to support in causes that we want to support so you can see why uh yeah i mean to uh to get me to open up my wallet it, it's like to support a really good company that is putting their dollars back behind what they believe in, that's putting their dollars into bringing the most premium product they can to market, to do the absolute best job they can, like that makes me feel good. And I can spend a few more bucks on a company that I really like versus a company I don't that uh, maybe has some good advertising or pretends like they support the outdoors or the hunting community. Uh, I'd rather support a company with an elk on their logo logo yeah <laughs> no man i mean you can't see it but like that elk right there it's a it's a nice i mean it's a it's a good bowl real heavy um and i i shot him in 2020 archery on juniper mountain you know and then this came from it's a it's a it's a big muley you can't see it's just out of picture there but that came from the same area but but really one of the things that that we love about doing what we're doing right now is is the more people you talk to the more you realize that we're all the same like talking to you you have the exact same mindset the exact same mentality with everything you're doing. So like you said, with building, you know, that's, that's one of those things where, yeah, man, there's going to be a lot of guys out there cutting corners, doing things as, as cheaply as possible. And then they're delivering that customer a product that that customer probably won't be the wiser to, but you would be right as a builder. Um, and so it's one of those things where, where it's like you, because you're a man of integrity, you're, you're going to do the right thing. You're going to do good by the people that you're building for. And we're the same way and our customers are the same way. You know, it, like Charles said, I'm from the West, born and raised. He's from the East, born and raised. But the minute we got together, it's like even though we have different experiences at a small level, we're the same person, you know, yeah. which is pretty neat, too. Because like even again, that's that's here in the U.S. But I mean, that translates internationally. I mean, the same thing, kind of like what I was trying to go into earlier is even even at origin when you're doing the sourcing of this coffee, it's like you're talking with blue collar, you know, farmers and producers. And it's like, it's the same, it's the same folks, yeah. right? Um, so it's, it's pretty neat to see that translate, not just here in the U.S., but also internationally to with our, with our, you know, our partners, our direct trade partners overseas as well that are actually, again, harvesting the coffee for us. Yeah. So, no, and, and like Charles said, kind of with, you know, I grew up farming, ranching. That's, that's my, my, my background primarily. So when you start talking to these people, even though you're talking like I, I we grew mostly alfalfa and, and uh, winter wheat, but even though you're talking two different products, I don't know anything about actually growing coffee, you know, on the on the technical side. But it doesn't matter. You're still speaking the exact same language. You're doing the same thing for the same reasons. You know, so there's there's that there's that weird. It's like this 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 lifestyle, this way of life and that that kind of who you are as a person sometimes goes so, so beyond even even language barriers, you know. No, so, so it's neat to see. It's neat to see. I mean, again, it's like we. We feel like we all see like this, uh, you know, this division within our country and within this world. But it's like, man, when you start really talking with folks, like we're not all that much different. You know, it's like we have a lot of similarities. We're all again, it's like if you have if you have values and morals and you stand for something, it's like we're all the same folks, right? And so it's kind of it's cool to see that, man. It really is. You know, man, you know spot on. Um, yeah, you're so right, Charles. Like I've, 
you know, I've met like a lot of great pre- people through hunting. And, and so I've made these friends through Australia and, and, uh, they've come out with me to hunt elk a couple times. And then I've been out to Australia to hunt with those guys. I've met their friends. And, and then also I went up to Canada this year and, and hunted with a buddy up in Canada. And even though, you know, we've grown up on, on opposite sides of the world, there's like different political spectrums. Like you get over there and you, you meet these guys and we're so similar. Like we just have uh, the same way we go about life. And there's some of my best friends, like greatest guys I've ever met that, you know, have grown up on different sides of the country. So I totally understand where you're coming from, Charles, like your connection uh, with your farmers, where you're uh, sourcing uh, your beans from, like having this connection with those guys that work hard and, and this these similarities. Like, man, it just... um. I think you're so spot on with that. And I love, too, that you guys are supporting those farmers with your dollars as well as you're going with the guys that have these same ways they go about ranching their lands or coming up with their coffee. Like uh, you're supporting those guys that have these similar mindsets as you guys. And so through doing that, it's like it it's so there's so many similarities between you guys. And, and now you know that your dollars are supporting these farmers and you're not just going through a wholesaler that then you don't know where those dollars are going. Like you're actually supporting the, the, the farmers and ranchers that are out there working their land that have this quality product that also aren't cutting corners exactly how you guys live your life. No. And, and that's, you know, it was really important to us too, to, to, to not only was by, by doing this, was it able to, to get us our cost down so we could transfer that value to our customers. But more importantly than that, it let us ensure that the farmers themselves who we're working directly with are treated right. So a lot of people don't know this, but in the coffee industry, generally on the importation side, it can, it can be pretty dirty as far as the treatment of the farmers. Um, a lot of these people will kind of have, have these, these, uh, you know, cooperatives and brokers and things involved that don't always do good by them. Um, and, and that's kind of generally how it goes, unfortunately. So by being able to cut out anybody that would be distributing them money um, and, and kind of working as a middleman, we're able to also make sure that they're getting treated the way they should, getting paid the way they should. I mean, one of the first things we did actually when we when we started uh, partnering with these, these producers is the equipment they're using um, and a lot of what they're doing is hand harvesting because we're in these really high elevation areas where you can't get equipment in there. One of the first things we realized was their equipment was really bad. So we bought them all new equipment so that everybody could at least have tools that worked, you know, and that's kind of what, after we did that, that kind of really kicked off this relationship with them. Um, but again, for us, it's like, man, we, we, we would rather spend the extra money and get guys what they need so they're not sitting there with with tools that don't work it just isn't right is what it is ultimately it just isn't right so for us doing that having that relationship also lets us be able to make sure that people are treated the way they should yeah. it's, it's transparency throughout the whole process right again it's like if you like go really looking at the whole juniper mountain as a company it's like at any point in time you know someone can ask us about any part of our process right it's like it's thoughtful right all the way from the farmers the whole the whole process from from farm to bag it's like we have a you know we have an answer for that it's like that's really important for us right so it's again with our with our company being built this way having like that slogan again as far as no compromise well any question they're at us we'll have an answer for because we know the whole process you know there is no gray area there it's like we know where the coffee is being sourced we know where all of our other our, our, our materials are being sourced like we have those answers and so again it just goes back and ties in the whole juniper mountain um um you know 
slogan is is again we 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 have we have that uh, that transparency so from from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It's a lot tougher way to do things. It'd be way easier to do a money yeah, grab yeah. or build some business. But when you like the way you guys do things, when you put your name behind it, and when you're building a company that you can be proud of, it's really the only way to do it. Is the the right way. But um, yeah, it's definitely the more difficult way, and it takes longer. And um, uh, like you say, it 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 um, once you can get the word out about the company that you've built and the product that you're so proud of, like guys will jump to be able to support it. I truly believe that, man. It's absolutely spot on. And I, I love the, the Juniper mountain as well. Like, um, man, that, uh, the Eastern Oregon, like I know Oregon can get a bit of a bad reputation by some of the stuff on the West side, but that Eastern Oregon is all farmers and ranchers and that the Eastern Oregon too is such beautiful country. Like, man, and they do grow big bulls and they do grow big bucks. Like I, I've hunted the, uh, Wahis like on the Idaho side, like right on the border of Oregon. And then I've always wanted to hunt, um, Oh gosh, there's a unit in there. I've always wanted to hunt that's on that east side that's really good for bucks, but you know, it's actually kind of a gem or a hidden secret there for mule deer. You yeah. guys will grow some big muleys and some big bulls over there, and there's just yeah. nothing better than the smell of sage and like that kind of yeah. that high desert country. I really yep. like that country for sure. Same. Same. No, I was going to say, man, we could sit here and talk about coffee all day long because yeah. that's what we do, but let's talk hunting for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's like you said, with, as far as big bucks goes, there's actually, so I went to, I went to Oregon to hunt this year and I had archery, mule deer and elk. I got a decent bull. Um, but there was a, a 200, at least 200 inch. She was definitely North. I'd, I'd guess some 210, 215, just a, a, a absolute trophy muley, but I just couldn't make a play on him. He was in, you know how it is in that, in that high desert where it's arid and you don't have a lot of cover in some of these areas. So he was up in some rims and making a play even from, from high ground. It just, that I tried <laughs> multiple times and, and you're trying to kind of, you know, play that, you know, walk that line as far as making a play and being aggressive enough to get in there and, and, and make a stalk, but at the same time, not blow them out of the country altogether. And I just couldn't quite, the stars didn't quite align and I, I didn't get it done, but, but I did get a good bowl. Yeah, he did get a good bull, man. They just don't come easy, whether it's a six-point bull with your bow or a, a mule deer. Like, all that stuff uh, with a bow and arrow is, like, the ultimate challenge. And especially, like, an old muley buck like that, like, over 200 inches, like, uh, you know, could be seven or eight years old in that country. Yeah. And their instincts are so keen. And so you're right. You try to use the topography and the sage and the rim rocks and try to plan your approach and get the wind right but the deal is is like they've evolved thousands of years from avoiding mountain lines and no matter how sneaky we get it's like we're never gonna be as stealthy as a mountain lion that has to jump on their back and kill them with tooth and claws and that buck has evolved from all those years of avoiding you know mountain lions like that so man they are so difficult they'll just break your heart won't they jared yes they will (laughs) yes they will (laughs) yeah especially especially that time of year and, and, you know, we're, so I went down, I didn't have a lot of time to hunt this year. I only had a, a few good days, but, but I like, especially if I'm elks, my, always my focus. I love elk hunting more than anything else. So when I went out this year, my favorite time to show up is right kind of mid September, like 13th, 14th, somewhere in there, kind of right, you know, every place is a little bit different, but at least where we are generally, it's kind of right at the, the end of pre-rut, 
and, and the elk were just starting to move. The, the, the bulls are starting to pick their cows up and they're just starting to communicate a little bit. And for me this year, and I'm hearing the story a lot, there, it was really, really hot where we were, like way hotter than normal. And it was pretty quiet, you know, and the elk were there because that's that's what you hear all the time is, of course, you know, because everybody always says, well, the elk aren't talking. And you'll hear guys go, well, that's because they're not there, you know, but they were there. There were sign all over the place. And but the bulls were just all quiet. So, again, I was I was our 13th. And only had a couple days to hunt, and uh, so of course you're 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 going pretty aggressive, trying to make a play. You know you don't really. It's tough when you don't have a, a big time window, and you can't really kind of go through that process of of taking it really really slow, and then just you know doing doing some uh, you know location calls, seeing what's there, doing of course, especially in that country where it's arid glassing. I mean that's 99% of hunting there, just glassing all day long and, and seeing what you can see. Um, but I ended up. There was a, a couple wallows, and in that desert, of course, water is going to be uh, huge for, for the elk. So I ended up doing a lot of walking, and then after a couple days of, of no luck, I'm like, well, I'm just going to go hang out by the water and see what comes in. And, and after, I think it was three straight days of not even seeing a cow, a bull goes about half a mile down from me with like, it was like 10 or 12 cows. So nice, you know, he's, he's right at, I didn't even tape him because I don't care to be honest with you, but he's probably like a 306 point, you know, um, but, but he walks down, calling to him, didn't do anything. He didn't even, he was like, I could care less, but who did care was the cows. He was able to call uh, the cows in and they came in to check out what was going on. And, and that bull was just interested enough in those cows to peel off and come down and give me a good shot. Um, but uh, it's always fun, man. It's, it's, you know, every time I go out, you're doing the same thing, but the way you do it always, it, it's one of those things where it's always different and you're always learning something new, you know? So it was a blast. How, how's your season been so far? Yeah, my season's been great. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on a couple things you said, Jerry. You can tell your knowledge in the mountains in hunting elk and your love for it. So uh, the exact same over here this year is a lot of years uh, the bulls will really start going. Like uh, I, I plan my hunt to try to film this hunt the 11th. And then usually that just coming in after that pre-rut to that start of that rut is absolute money. So same dates as you, like around the 13th, it really starts kicking off. And it was a touch later this year. It was like 15th, 16th before those bulls really started bugling hard and rutting hard. Uh, so it was the same over here where I knew there was elk around. I could see the sign, but they just weren't calling. And then, you know, about the 15th, 16th, it turned on like a switch, you know, and they started bugling yeah. better. And then, um, yeah, I really like like um, – it, it is like such a chess match, you know, is like yep. you, you do like you talked about the balance between aggressiveness and then not being reckless is like the balance that yeah. you're trying to create. And it's really yeah. tough. And sometimes, you know, there was times this year where I had to back off a bowl. It's nine in the morning. He's still bugling like crazy, but I know he's gotten a thick downfall timber. I know that he's getting ready to bed. I know that the winds are getting fickle because those uh, morning thermals are really starting to switch around and so i'd have to sit back like two three hundred yards and it killed me and this bull's just yep. bugling his head off till 10 30 in the morning but i just know if i charge in now i'm being reckless i don't have him in the right spot it's not going to come together at least it's a low percentage chance and so yeah. trying to like walk that fine line that balance yep. of being aggressive trying to create something but also you know trying not to blow him out of country and have to start over 
yeah. is like such yep. a delicate balance. And like you said, it's not black or white. It's like this gray area of decisions that you have to make that directly affect your success or affect the outcome of your hunt, you know, and it's so difficult. Yep. But then I loved how like you were charging country and then you thought like this is dryered country instead of playing into these elk's strength and trying to chase them all over the mountain, I'm going to play into their weakness. I know that elk need water every single day. I know because of the sign, you know, and I'm just uh, uh, guessing or filling in the blanks here, but I know because of the sign they're coming into this water. And so if I sit this water, I'm going to play into their weakness and eventually have a bull come in. And so many times in those calling scenarios too, it is calling the cows in. So uh, when you called those cows into the water, uh, was it like a like a like a setup where you were using cow calls and a bugle, or just the cow calls, or and could you hear those cows calling back and forth with you in the interaction as they were coming in? No, and, and that's that's it. I'm generally, you know, I don't like to go out and just start calling like crazy. Um, especially in country where you can see really well, you can get to some high ground and you can look around. I mean, if, if I can identify a bull and I could put an ambush on him, put a stalk in an ambush on him without calling, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to do that before I do any serious calling. But this bull had, had gone by, so I, I called, I challenged him, and he he didn't care. But as he was as he was walking away, and again, he's he's about a half mile kind of down into some some thicker timber from where I was those cows were, were talking like crazy. So I'm like, well, maybe, you know, clearly they, so that, that water that I was sitting, they weren't going to hit that. They were out. So the, the country that I was hunting, you're kind of down in this valley. And, and when you're, when you're going after the elk where, where I was, you're either getting them coming to you, uh, you know, of course in the afternoon, and then they're leaving at night. There's a lot of farm country in there and stuff like that. So there's, you know, they're, they're trying to hit food and everything. So you're kind of trying to ambush them more than anything else. So, they were heading out, but those 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 cows were, were talking enough where I was like, it was just one of those things where you just try it, you know. The, the, the there was enough there was enough talking amongst them to go, well, maybe I can get one to come in, and it just of course you know how it is. You, you call to them and it peeled one off. Well, it didn't even peel it off. It stopped them. You know how it is. It stops them. They're kind of looking around. They're looking back. They're going, ah, maybe we'll go check that out. And of course you don't want to go nuts, so you're kind of being light on the calling, but. Eventually you'll you'll get one to turn around. That's all I was doing. I was praying. I'm like, man, if I can turn one around. There's a shot that the others might follow, and that's exactly what happened. One turned around, and then the other one stood there for 15, 20 minutes, and another one peeled off to follow the other cow, and then another one, then another one, and then, excuse me, Brian, sorry about that. Oh, no worries. It just means um, it's a real I, podcast when a phone rings. Yeah, well, I, I just uh, tried to shut the phone off. The phone is off for real this time. Yeah, no worries. Sorry about that. So yeah. anyways, the, the, the cows start coming, and then – that bull didn't show up for probably another half hour, you know, and you could tell he was on the fence. He was just barely, you know, again, coming into that mid-September where he's just interested enough to follow those cows around. He came in and he wasn't even there to hang out. He was just trying to, he was trying to get him out of there, you know, and, and get him back the direction he was going in the first place. But uh, it's, it's fun, man. I mean, that's, it's people and, and everybody listening to this is, is, has probably experienced the, the same thing. But when you're up in that country and you're, and you're, you know, face to face with these animals, there's, I, I don't think there's anything quite like it, you know? Oh man, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, so many things that have to go right. I love like, uh, the, 
the the sparse calling as well. Like sometimes that silence is um is more important than the actual calls that you make. It's like to keep that uh, that wonder of those elk, you know, and to to make it seem realistic and and also like reading the mannerisms or reading the the motion of those elk. Like as you're looking and glassing those elk, and you saw that first one stop, and you're able to turn it around. Like so many like. Whether you're calling or whether you're stalking, re- being able to read the animals that you're hunting is such a, a big part of trying to get to where they're going. And then also, like you mentioned it, a huge part of hunting these elk is like the the ambush style or being able to get in front of where they're going. And, and exactly. I think guys forget that as they're calling. They work so much on their bugles and their cow calls and what they sound like. There's a lot of elk that sound like crap that don't even sound like elk. You know, it's yeah. not the noises you make. It's like where you're making those noises from. You have to like read the elk and know that they're coming to water, going to bed, that they're coming to feed. And then you try to get in front of where they're moving or or like intersect them or uh, get to where they want to go. And when you get to where they want to go, they call in so much easier than trying to chase them and call from behind them and try to call this bull back in, you know. And so like it's such a chess game back and forth. And I think that's why we love it is it's like the ultimate challenge and it's so thrilling in this this interaction with them it's like when you're engaged with that like i'm sure you got a bunch going on with juniper mountain and personal life and things but when you're engaged in this predator prey relationship there's nothing else you can think about like you're 100 percent into it and trying to to figure out these elk and trying to get in front of them and it's one of the things that i love like we have so much trouble in this modern day and age of living in the present moment and that elk seems to snap you right into that present moment like you you have to be there so yeah it's uh man it's fun hearing your story of hunting with them uh charles have you got in on the the elk game yet you got to get out elk hunting you know well first off i mean you see like with just the placement of this uh, where I'm sitting, it's like, of course, Jerry's going to put me under this big, massive elk in case it falls off this wall, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but anyways, but with that, yeah, so I've, I've been talking with uh, with, with Jared Philippin. I mean, I've, I've been giving him a hard time. It's like, man, you got to get me out there, right? So it's been, yeah. it's been three years in the making where it's like, we're gonna, you know, we're going to get out this year. This year, it's like, again, it's like, we're going to, I'm going to get there. So it'll be next year. I mean, it's like, we, yeah. once we get, once we get all this kind of, you know, get all this dialed in here and I kind of step away for a little bit, but it's like right now with this, uh, with this kind of beginner, uh, you know, kind of startup thing and then really get Juniper launched off and just haven't had the time, but I, I want to, you know, I've done a lot of, again, growing up in, in Southeast, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, more, mostly fishing, you know, offshore and inshore. Um, but again, it's like, it's something I've been passionate about, which is so, again, which is so cool about the brand itself too, is how it translates. Again, it's like, even if I'm not a, not a, avid hunter it's like that's my dream so even when i grab this bag of coffee or look at juniper mountain it's like man it's like i'm still from the southeast but this still translates right um that that brand again it's like across across the um, across the, the the country still wanting to go out there and and, and shoot one but yeah we'll, we'll get there so. i i think you know i think one of the things that ties um you know hunters fishermen outdoorsmen sportsmen in general together is is kind of what you touched on briefly before brian and that is that there's this, there's this evolved part of our brains, you know, and, and for almost all of, of, of human history, we have evolved to survive off of hunting um, and, and, and harvesting and eating the animal. So I think that in today's world, it's so easy to be disconnected from that part of our brains because we're in the office, we're on our screens all day long, we're doing our thing. 
But I think the minute you get out there and you're, you're putting a stalk on an animal or, or you're, you're fishing or doing whatever it is you're doing that provides food, that, that, that highly evolved part of our brain and our subconscious that we don't even think about just flicks on. And all of a sudden it's just you and that animal. And, and it's, there's almost this peace about it. Like you feel like this is exactly what I should be doing. Everything in the universe feels right in that moment. And I think it's because, you know, up until till a couple hundred years ago, that's how we, we lived. You know, hunting was such an integral part of everybody's life. It, it didn't matter if you like to hunt for sport or not. For all of human history, you hunted if you could because you had to. You know, so that, that's this hardwired element that's in all of us. And when you go do it and you tune back in with this 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 primal uh, uh, emotion and connection to to the world and to the animals, I mean, it is a it is a visceral, intense experience. And and everybody listening to this that's hunted, fished, done any of it knows that exact emotion. And and people that haven't experienced that, I, I hope that they do because it is it is very few things like it. But even listening to you guys, like you know, talk about it, like Brian brought up too, it's like the black and whites. <clears throat> even within the hunting, it's like you got these again these different tactics you can use to go and then call in those elk or organ. But it's like when you start talking that gray area, but really in, in general, that's where life begins. You know, it's like, that's where the hunt begins. That's where the adventure begins. So even there, it's like Brian talking about, you know, that's your gray area of where you're going to, how you're going to go and stalk this animal and harvest this animal. But again, that, that translates, you know, across all, uh, all barriers there, right? It's that, it's that gray area. That's where really the adventure in life begins. Um, just, just in general, you know? Yeah, man, yep. spot on, Jerry. Yeah, I could have you host this podcast. They're so right, man. It's it is hardwired into our DNA. It's like the reason why we survived as human beings for two hundred thousand years is because we hunted and and we we uh, we praised our good hunters in the tribe that can bring back meat. And there's a reason, like buck fever is real it's like the excitement you get when you get close and to have to pull all that together and pull yourself together and make a really good shot is way easier said than done to like you arrow in that big six point bull this year that is so tough to do to pull yourself together to make a good shot in that excitement and the way you talked about it is that six point barely wanted to hang around that water hole it wasn't like he was uh drinking water looking the other direction as you were able yeah. to draw your bow like it happened like you were amongst the chaos there and trying to capitalize on this moment you know where you yeah. got him at the the right location and got him broadside but man it's like yeah. any of us that can hunt have felt buck fever and have lost our mind i think like the first few cool. animals i shot at i don't even think i looked at my pins and you you kind of yeah, have to go through this yeah this growing period where you have to keep your calm and man, it's the same thing, Charles, with like fishing too. Like it gets so exciting. Like, and I love to fish and I, you know, if I'm not in the mountains, I'm usually on the the rivers or streams or lakes or, or the ocean for that matter, when I can make trips out there. But that same excitement hits you when you, when you, when you get a bite and you have to set the hook or you're sight fishing to a fish and you have to make that really good cast. And then when you're, when you're playing a big fish, you have to do everything right because if you make any mistakes, like all of a sudden that opportunity is lost and you bust off that fish and then you can go hours or days trying to tie into another one, you know. So that excitement to to procure meat, to, to, to be able to harvest something like that, man, it's real and it is like hardwired in us and something that uh, you realize, like Jared said it best, it's like um, when you're out there and you're immersed in it, 
you feel like it's what you're meant to do. And, and, yeah. and also back to what Charles said, that gray area, that adventure, like us as human beings are, are explorers by nature. Like we love to go to new places and, and we love challenges like that. Like we're meant for that. And whether it's the challenge of trying to build a business from scratch or the challenge of trying to harvest a six point bull or to catch some giant offshore tarpon or something like that, like that challenge in that adventure makes us feel alive. And it, it's like that, you know, like Jared said it best, it's like we feel like that's what we're meant to be doing. Like that is actually enjoying life. And I, I think that's why we have to make sure that it's such a priority. We need to support our families. We need to work hard. Uh, you know, we have this responsibility, and that's all part of like being a human being in, in this modern day and age. But we also have to get out for ourselves and do things we truly love to do. And yeah. that's like the, the fishing and like the hunting that, that Jared's doing, yeah. man. It's just awesome. No, no, hundred percent. You have to, you, you have to, it is so easy to get bogged down by life at the end of the day, go home and, and a trip that you're going to try and plan and, and try and make happen. We're all in the same boat. You know, you're making a trip, dude, plane flights are expensive. Taking the opportunity cost of just going somewhere to hunt or just go camping or whatever it is you want to do. Fish doesn't matter. It's hard to do. So it's so easy to go through life. And after you've been in the office for 12 hours a day, you know, five days in a row, to go, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to go on that trip. I'm not going to, it just isn't worth it right now, but you have to, it's one of those things where I think once you're disconnected long enough and, and, and really, you know, it, it is this interesting thing, like you say, cause we, we have to support our families. We have to, we have to be, uh, you know, contributors in the modern world and we have to use tech and we have to be on our phones and computers, but we haven't evolved to do that yet. So it's not natural at all. You know, we're not supposed to be doing this thing all day long. So you have to make sure you anchor yourself in the natural world by if you don't hunt, at least get out camp, get a campfire going, start it yourself, do something that, that is primal, you know, that'll activate that part of your brain that's connected to this way of life that humans have lived for so long and, and kind of remind yourself there's a little bit more to life than just being in an office and trying to make money. You have to you have to have that anchor. And to everybody, it's different for me and, and yourself, uh, too. It's hunting, you know, it's getting out there and being a participant in that process um it's huge it's it's everything you know man it's so true it's those uh those phones are a necessary evil right and they're addictive That's for right. all of us even us blue collar hard-working guys that that don't enjoy the tech like uh you know it's necessary like uh you can't be in the modern day and age and not have an email nowadays like you yeah. you can't you yep. know even in construction like i'm using text messages and uh you know and then too it's like social media is a necessity as well and you have to be careful that you don't spend your life scrolling but you really have to um put like these um uh you really have to step away from those screens and engage into that natural world like you're saying is so important but but even just in our everyday life like being able to disconnect from those phones like i get home in the evening and it's you know my clients know and and people know that they're not going to be able to reach me in my evening i'm going to go put my phone on my bedside table and i'm going to go engage with my family you know i'm going to go laugh with them i'm going to share dinner together i'm not going to bring my problems from work home and i I think it's like um, self-discipline. Like those phones are so addictive for all of us, even us outdoor guys, even us the guys that don't like them. Like they're necessary, but 
but they're also really addictive and we have to like have this self-discipline to be able to get something out of it, to be able to use them to grow our businesses, to be able to keep in touch with friends and family. But then we also have to be disciplined enough to get away from those dang things. Well, that's it, man. Like, uh, um, you know, Jocko Willing says discipline is freedom and that's everything, you know, you have to. And that's why, you know, the, the, the most fun I've ever had doing just about anything is when it sucks the most. You know, doing <laughs> and, and subjecting yourself to those things deliberately. You know, I think that I think that in this life you're going to suffer. So you have a you have a choice. You can subject yourself to suffering at your own hands or you can let the world do it for you. And you're always better off doing it on your own terms. So do your cold showers, cold baths, whatever it is. Go on your on your runs, hit the gym, whatever it takes to uh, to make life suck a little bit in that moment to be better later on. Yeah, you're speaking my language, man. It's like uh, that's a, my family's joke is that I just love to suffer, you know, whatever it is. Even if it's something I don't want to go do, like shopping, my wife's like, hey, you know, you're going to suffer shopping. It's like, OK, I'm in. You know, it's like, OK, I'll go with you. You know, it's uh, but yeah, it's so it's so funny. It's like the the, the more you put into something, the more it means to you. And, uh, you know, it's like for fun, it's type two fun. And it's it's like not fun all the time when you're grinding and hiking up a mountain and you You've been going for days on end. Uh, but when you get home, it's like the only thing you can think about. And when you accomplish your goal and you put so much into it, whether it's the preparation or the hunt itself, like that that suffering makes for the the most memorable moments of your life, you know. And so that suffering it is, you have to almost seek it out. And through those yeah. challenges, it toughens you as a person. And, and like you're going to get hardships in life whether you create them or whether you avoid them. Like ev- nobody's life – is full of just uh, rainbows and unicorns like everybody has to go through hardships in life but when you do these hard things you know you, you you're able to to harden yourself and harden your mind to be able to prepare yourself for these hard moments so you can be there for your family uh when you hit these hard moments that that you're definitely going to hit no matter if you're trying to avoid them or seek them out but yeah i'd love to suffer man jared you're speaking my language i seek it out cool. day in and day out and i think it grows us into better people it does and, and you nailed it it's all for for a reason you know you do you do hard things deliberately to yourself when when life throws things at you that are actually tough and difficult and hard to deal with and like you said nobody's immune to that it doesn't matter where you're at in life who you are you're going to get stuff thrown at you that's really hard to deal with that's just life itself and in that if you're if you have mental fortification built up and you're tough before that because of of Subjecting yourself to stuff that you don't want to do, it makes it easier. You know, it, it makes it so that you won't get ruined by by some, you know, everybody's going to have some some catastrophic things in their life happen to them. There's no way around it, unfortunately. So it's good to, to acknowledge that, recognize that. First of all, a lot of people will sit there and go, well, you know, it's not good. Nothing's going to happen to me. It's that bad. Something is, unfortunately. I, I hate to say it, but it's going to happen to everybody. So so when those things happen, you better be prepared. And, and, and the tougher you can make yourself the better. And I'm not a tough guy by any means, but, but you should at least be out there trying to, you know, that way when, 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 when life does what life does, you can deal with it and be there for the people that support on you, that you support, excuse me, or rely on you. Um, you know, all of us have people that rely on us. So it's extremely important. It's extremely important to, uh, to make sure that we are the best that we can be to be there for the people that need us. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Yeah, that's it. Um, 
yeah, those layers of mental toughness that you add uh, prepare you. And, and you know, you're, you're going to face hardships nearly every day or uh, every week. There's going to be challenges, you know, but the, the, the more mental resolve you have, the more toughness you have built in, you're just able to handle these things. It's like when I get a problem, you know, I'm not going to sit and dwell on that problem and think of all the worst case scenarios. Like when I get a problem, I'm going to come up with some scenarios and a solution, and then I'm going to move forward to correct that. But I just know day in, day out, whether I'm uh, out hunting elk or whether, you know, I'm going to run into challenges. The elk aren't going to be where I thought they were. I'm going to run into more hunting pressure. Like the ability to pivot and adapt and evolve like is so important and same thing building houses it's like nothing but um problem solving and and really it's you know we started the conversation by how you do one thing is how you do everything and when you carry yourself that way it's like um uh man those challenges and those problems they're easier to figure out it's not such a big deal you know you're able to work your way through them but if you don't have that mental resolve or you don't build that in through your your passions or through your recreating or through your work, you can almost feel lost or get overwhelmed and let that anxiety uh, overtake you, you know? And so, yeah. like, like building that in is so important, man. It's just like, uh, uh, I think, you know, seek it out. But it's a muscle that you have to flex as well. It's like you can't build that mental toughness and then just – rely upon it like for all the time it's like a muscle that you have to flex day in day out and seek those hardships out yeah for sure yeah, for sure man i mean it's a it's a simple thing like even just the thought process of like you know distractions versus challenging right we can all find distractions in our life too again to where we don't have to go and uh, face those those exact things like you were discussing right whether it's that uh, um those those hardships those tough things but like i said we can all find those distractions in life that are taking us away from that but like you if you can if you can find that uh, that that other gear, that other thought process of hey, let's not distract from these from these hardships, but actually let's go ahead and challenge those things, right? So accept that challenge, right? And then, like you said, flex that muscle, and it'll just be strengthened. So whether that's a, a physical, but really more than even the physical side, it's more the more the mental side. Um, that kind of again, that kind of gets it to where you can uh, you can flex that muscle and be ready for those for those um, those uh, you know different uh, you know adventures, those different. Um, you know, things that are being faced in life. So, yeah, I mean, and again, that, that translates across all borders. I mean, that is something that we can all learn from. And, and um, so, yeah, exactly right. And, and like you said, Brian, apply to hunting too. Dude, there, I've blown more stocks and I'd like to admit, you know, and I've made, I've made more bad decisions than I'd like to admit hunting um, and, and just done things that you shouldn't do, right? Whether it's be too aggressive or not aggressive enough or just made a mistake, you know, um, but, but like life itself, when you're on that hunt and you're doing that thing, there is zero time to sit there and feel bad for yourself. You need to address what you did wrong so you can learn from it and make a correction. But you have to just get right back out there and go again. You know, and that's just that's I think one of the things that we love about hunting so much, all of us that do it and participate in it is, is, is exactly that. You know, it's like a training ground for life. You know, you're making decisions and it's not always clear what the right one is, you, you know. The more experience you get, the, the better you get at making those decisions, right? But uh, it's tough, man. But all you can do is just keep on going. Oh, Jerry, you bring up such a good point. It's like the the only reason I'm I'm any good at bow hunting is I've made every mistake out there. I've failed every different way you can fail, and I like uh, it's human nature. We're gonna make mistakes, and we're gonna have to self correct. But I think that's such a huge part of growth, and I. I think it's something that um, 
that guys kind of miss, you know, that they want that success right off the bat. They want to make all the right moves. They want to make that perfect stock or that perfect calling sequence. But the the truth is, is like in life, it's you're going to make these mistakes and you're going to have to pick yourself back up and get back after it. And you you don't want to have this arrogance about you where you, you put blame on somebody else. Like you have to accept responsibility for what went wrong. So, you know, oh, I got winded. It's like, well, maybe I shouldn't have gone in when the thermals were switching around. Maybe next time I play that uh, I, I play that different. I'm going to wait till the evening till the the shade hits that mountain and I've got that downhill thermal where it's consistent. But being able to take responsibility and it, it goes like it's so much of this like we're talking about hunting, but it it carries over to every other facet of our life. And it, we make these mistakes. We self-correct and mistakes are part of growth. And to get to where we want to go, we're going to make a bunch of them along the way, you know, but that's the only reason I'm any good at bow hunting is I've messed up the wind. I've messed up uh, noise. I've moved in too quick. I've been too aggressive. I've been too patient. I've, uh, I've lost focus right at the last minute as your brain screams at you to hurry up and make it over the side of that, that hill. And you make it over the side and a cow busts you or, you know, like I've made all these mistakes, but being able to assess those, realize what went wrong, accept responsibility. Like I'm able to get better through this evolution of it to where now when I see a good bowl, like I trust my instincts and I make these moves. And a lot of times I'm right. And I don't get it right. Every time it's like, we are matching wits, you know, versus these animals that do have such keen instincts. So they are going to win a lot of the times, no matter if we make all the right moves or not. But yeah, this, this like self-assessment, like not beating yourself up over a mistake. It's like, you know, Tom Brady, when he, when he steps in to, to make a pass, he's not thinking about the interceptions he's thrown, you know, he's thinking about that. He's going to make this pass and make it right. You know? So it's like not focusing on the negative, but definitely being able to assess them and make improvements from it. But yeah, man, we all fail. Like that is part of human nature. Yep. And I, I think you nailed it, Brian, with the, the self-awareness component to that. If, if you're not, and this is a struggle for, for a lot of us, you know, uh, at least me, um, I can speak on, for myself on this one. It's tough to, to mess something up, to 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 call uh, a poor sequence and blow a bull out or, or, or be too aggressive or whatever. And then the minute that happens, you're trying to blame everything about yourself. Well, maybe the wind changed or this or that. Or th- no, it's always your fault. And you have to be able to sit there and look at yourself and go, I, I messed up. It's as simple as that. I messed up. What did I do wrong? And I'm going to try my best not to do that one thing again. And every time you make a mistake that way. You can eventually grow into into a, a person that can make at least halfway decent decisions as you keep stacking those mistakes up and, and then with those mistakes, corrections to those mistakes. And eventually uh, you'll connect, you know, whether it's a, a, a big bowl um, or or something you're doing in your personal life. You know, it all it all translates. It's all the exact same process. Yeah. Or a successful business or whatever it is. Right. Like it, it all is, is all just evolution and human growth, man. That's um so fascinating. I just love talking about that stuff because we are so similar, even though, you know, this is the first time we've met and the first time we've chatted. We we have so many similarities in the way we think about things and the way we approach things. And and like you say, it's how you do one thing is how you do everything. So uh, unfortunately, how you elk hunt is like uh, how you how you live your life with your your business life, how you live your life with your family. And so it's important to like create those 
those good traits, you know, and that good way that you approach mistakes or the good way that you accept responsibility like that all goes further for human growth and successful endeavors. Yeah. No, that's spot on. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Well, man, you guys are killing it. Uh, absolute best coffee like the the roasts speak for themselves a great company and uh yeah i just um i couldn't be more proud to be partnered with you guys and uh have you guys on the podcast so uh it's such a great conversation i gotta have you guys back on again we gotta touch bases here in a bit you guys got any more hunts that are coming up for the late season yeah we actually go on a a really quick down and dirty uh muzzleloader hunt whitetail hunt here in florida tomorrow um, and we're going out with some with some percussion side locks um, for fun there. And then we're doing a uh, whitetail hunt in northern Alberta coming up November. So we got a couple a couple of good hunts left this year. So we're excited. Right a percussion side lock is that like the old flint and the powder in the pan and stuff? So it's 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 one step past that. Um, it's it's you know mid 1800s it got popular. So it's it's the same process. So it's a you know, like I got a Hawkins rifle. He's got a, a trade rifle. So they look like flintlocks mostly. They're, they're of course, muzzleloaders, old school. But instead of having a flash pan and powder, you have a percussion cap. You have a nipple. And you put a percussion cap on that nipple, and, and that's a firing mechanism there instead of uh, instead of a, uh, you know, flintlock. So. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, they're open still sights, so difficult, right? Like open sights. They're not as accurate as rifles. Uh, not like even the. Close. The, the flash in the pan, man, the delay on the shot is crazy on those things. But, yeah, muzzleloader is like a, a, a different skill set where you still have to get close and then um, use that and be accurate with them. Man, that's awesome. That's going to be a fun hunt. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. So it'll be fun going through that. I've never hunted deer here before, and the, the environment is so foreign to me. So it's like uh, I'm like a sponge over here as far as learning goes. It's I got no insight into how to hunt down here. Um, and it's just a totally different experience. Yeah, we'll get you know, a rip. Yeah, we sure will. But hey, I just wanted to say too, real quick, um, we're, we're humble to be here, Brian. We appreciate you sitting down with a couple of nobodies. Um, it means a lot to us, and it was it was uh, a lot of fun talking today. Oh man, the funnest an hour just flew by. Yeah, I think I could talk to you guys for eight hours. Yeah, we got to get you back on the podcast. But um, yeah, good luck on your hunting. And then that Canada hunt, man, they build them big up there, right? Big bodies, like big heavy antlers. Like man, if you're gonna go hunt whitetails, that is the place. That's what we've heard. So we're gonna we're gonna go give her give her a rip, man. We're super excited. it's, it's supposed to be a pretty good area. Guys are, are taking a lot of 170, 180 inch uh, white tail out of there. So we're, we're pumped. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, How man. about yourself? I- I can't imagine seeing a whitetail like that. That's such a big one. Yeah, we, um, man, it's just been a great season. Just a bunch of great adventures. I just got back with my daughter. We just shared an adventure hunt for muleys. And then, you know, she missed a really good buck at 200 yards lay down rest, which she's so clutch. She's killed, she's 15, and I think she's already killed four or five bucks, you know. And so she's usually clutch in those moments, and we took her time, but. It's everybody misses, you know, and even though that rifle's on, we've been practicing with it. It was a lay down rest. Somehow she just missed that buck. But to be able to pick herself back up and then to hunt hard for, you know, a few days, uh, like covering a bunch of miles. And then we finally got a chance at another buck. She had to wait two and a half hours for him to stand and then just made a perfect shot on him. And then we packed him out in the dark with the headlamp. So it's a real like adventure with dad, which is so fun. So 
that was a huge highlight for me and um so yeah, yeah after that i've got a a good muley rut hunt that'll take place in the badlands so i'll actually oh, leave perfect. this next weekend i've got a week to spend out there uh they're just coming into the rut which is so fun to hunt the rut with a bow and arrow so really looking that's forward awesome. to that i've got uh another late season hunt that's a uh, uh, takes place in Idaho where it's big mountains, deep snow, bitter cold that will take place like late November, early December, which that cold takes like a different toughness, you know, to, to be it. out yep. in those elements. And so, uh, I, yeah, we'll try to try to outsmart a, a, a buck or two on those couple hunts. And that yep. should pretty well wrap up my season. Uh, may get a wild hare and head down to the deserts of um, Arizona in January down there if I can um, get a tag. And, and the deserts are so fun because it can be 20 below here in Montana and it's 70 degrees down there. And to be able to yeah. camp and live in the desert and share that hunt with a good buddy, like, man, I'll, I'll probably I'll, – you could probably catch me down there in January taking place <laughs> on the hunt. So, so I got some great ones coming up, man. I'm super stoked. It's already been a great season. And so, yeah, really looking forward to it. Cool. Awesome, yeah. Right on. Um, thanks so much, you guys, for taking the time, being on the Thank podcast. You, you guys uh, have a great company, and uh, I'm a huge fan of it. And, um, yeah, just really fun to connect with you guys and chat. So thanks so much. Thank you, thanks Brian. For having us. We'll talk okay. soon. Thanks. Yep. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, really fun conversation with those guys. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, Jared, uh, you can tell he's a, a Western hunter through and through, uh, blue-collar guys. They're like younger guys that started this company, and uh, I just love these companies. They put their dollars behind uh, things that they support. Uh, so, you know, they're supporting uh, hunting, and I just want to show my support for them. So I'm definitely drinking their coffee exclusively. Not only because I want to put my dollars behind their company, but because it's great roast. Uh, so I'm drinking a cup right now as I get you guys this uh, this this exit on the podcast or um, uh, ending on the podcast. So yeah, just good stuff. So we'll support those guys. Also want to say thanks to Black Ovis and to Camo Fire. So um, man, with that over at Eastman's, yeah, we're just cruising. To, uh, some good articles coming out. Just wrote one on the Muley Rut. And uh, going to take off for a trip here uh, end of the week and um, go get after him a bit. So, yeah, super excited for that. Uh, hunted the pre-rut a bit, able to arrow a really nice buck. Solo backpacking trip, which was just super cool. And, um, yeah, the mule deer had given me the slip so far this year. So good to get one arrowed and uh, make a good shot on him. And then went and did an adventure hunt with my daughter. Uh, we took four days and went out and chased muleys. Uh, you know, just the, the, the being able to spend quality time and, you know, she's a teenager, she keeps really busy, but to be able to share an adventure with her just means the world to me. And then, um, she's just clutch. She's good behind that rifle and able to make a good shot, harvest a good mule deer, just inches of fat on this mule deer as they're getting ready for the rut, but they look really healthy. I know this deer is going to eat so good and, um, yeah, super fun to share an adventure with her. So yeah, just busy trying to, to juggle and manage, um, the podcast and um, uh, construction here. We are trying to wrap up these last couple homes and then um, 
uh, trying to get out and hunt as much as I can and help buddies out. So yeah, just that busy time of year, but look forward to it all year long and definitely running sleep deprived at times and tired, but man, it's all good. Putting on a bunch of miles and really enjoying myself with these awesome adventures. So uh, yeah, I can't wait. Going to go do a week and hunt the muley rut. It's just like just coming into that rut, pre-rut. Uh, I've seen some bucks with some does. I've seen um, a little bit of rut action, so I'm hoping my timing's really good. Uh, so yeah, going to go out and try to film this one and um, try to get a, a buck on film and hunt the rut. So it should be a absolute riot. Weather's turning colder, so um, yeah, definitely have to have to bring my long johns, bring my puffy pants. I'm going to need every piece of the clothing I I own as the highs are in the 30s and lows are down around zero and a little snow in the forecast. So, um, yeah, it's just that time of year to uh, hunt that rut and couldn't be more stoked. So thanks, you guys, for all the support. I really appreciate it. The shares on social media, the reviews really help on like iTunes or Spotify. It like takes two seconds to give a five star rating on there and then just helps the podcast. And um, yeah, it helps uh, me bring you this good content each and every week. And uh, got some good recordings coming up. We'll do a solo where I kind of recap that uh, solo backpacking trip and then also the trip with my daughter and um yeah, we'll we'll cover that in the podcast and kind of cover some of this late season muley stuff and um, keep plugging away. So uh, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate you. And with that, I'll check in with you next week.